Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yes, I 
Shifu, I saw him, I shall be my mother. 
As we sit around the campfire at this time of the year, let's reflect on the 12,000 peers of Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva and remember how careful we have to be with this cloud.
Oh, my God. 
JM in the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. And around the world on the web at jmtheam.org. Thank you to those listening on the NSN app. The brand new NSN app is an amazing way to check out all of our programming, including, of course, JM and the AM. Live Monday through Friday. It's Friday morning on this July 25th, day 27 in the month of Tammuz, the year 5774, Tufshin Ayin Dalad. Tzarev Parshas Masse will close out the book of Bamidbar. Candle lighting time at 7.58 on this era of Shabbos. 7.58. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Monday is Rosh Chodesh Av. We will bench Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av this coming Shabbos. And the Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be Monday. Sunday night and Monday, the beginning of the nine days. And we'll start our nine days format on uh, on Monday morning, Rosh Chodesh. 66 degrees with 63% humidity, winds are east at 3 miles per hour, mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 84, then tonight mostly clear, low 66, tomorrow partly cloudy, a high temperature 86 degrees. Yushalayim and Tel Aviv are at 86, Haifa at 84, a lot at 97. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora, they're at 48 degrees, heading up to 79 later on. Wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos up there. And I hope everybody in all the different summer camps are having an amazing summer. Right now we're at 66 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, there have been uh, some very effective, uh, effective meaning in terms of uh, volume, in terms of numbers. Uh, some very effective uh, prayer and Tehillim gatherings that have taken place in our community over the last few days. There have been some effective rallies and demonstrations that have gone on over the last few days. I want to call your attention to Monday afternoon. Monday afternoon at 12.30, Dag Hamelschald Plaza in New York City, 47th Street and 2nd Avenue, right next to the United Nations. 12.30 p.m. is the gathering. There are many people who, out of frustration... Uh, have been demanding a large New York rally. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if this is, if this was planned to be the largest. I don't know if it was planned to be the most vocal and the, uh, and the biggest uh, media uh, attention grabber of all these demonstrations and rallies and get togethers. But because of the location, because of the proximity to the UN and because of the historic location that it will uh, take place in, in regard to rallies and demonstrations, it's a historic place. A lot of important rallies have taken place there. Because of all that, the word about this demonstration, about this rally, continues to spread like wildfire. And now I pray that the interest in it will spread the same way and that people will take a few minutes out of the middle of their Monday, no matter where you are, five boroughs, New Jersey, Connecticut, no matter where you, I I know for a fact that there are certain summer camps. Call like a vote to them, and if I had total confirmation, I'd announce who it was. But I don't have total confirmation yet. Maybe we'll wait till Monday morning, actually, when every camp has shored up their plans. But there are some summer camps that I am told that are sending large contingents. Now we're talking about 
kids making a sacrifice of an entire day of camp. I know it doesn't compare to the sacrifice being made by our brothers and sisters in Israel, but seriously, they're taking a full day out of summer camp because you know how it is. The trip in and out is, you know, two, three hours each way. And uh, obviously they're at the demonstration. And the kolakavot to them. Kolakavot to them. So those summer camps that are coming in from long distances, even the ones coming in from short distances, thank you, thank you. But everybody, especially those, look, if, you, if you're working in Manhattan, then, you know, sort of a no-brainer. But anybody and everybody, set aside a little bit of time Monday afternoon, 12.30 p.m., 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, New York City. Let's make our voices heard. Uh, as I said, there are many who are demanding large demonstrations. Here's the chance. Here's the chance. Because of the location, because of the focus, because of the proximity to the United Nations, here's the chance. And I appeal to every end of the community. We have seen over the last few weeks every corner of our community, of our greater Jewish community, of our greater Israel-loving community. We have seen every corner come through with uh, tefillah and prayer gatherings, Tehillim gatherings, um, demonstrations. Let's get everybody together this Monday and uh, have one voice as we see the challenges that continue to uh, continue to um, challenge the IDF and all residents of Israel. JM and the AM at 14 minutes before 7 o'clock. If you know of any rallies, demonstrations, Tehillim and Tefillah gatherings, let us know. All our email addresses are open. Let us know what's happening. We'd love to use this platform. You know, it's funny these days. These days, thank God, there's so much information out there, and social media does a great job at getting information out there. But we have a unique opportunity through this radio program to inspire people and convince them to actually attend, to actually be there. That's why when we go to these rallies, we still hear from so many listeners who say we're here because of the show, because they were inspired, they were convinced. Give me the opportunity to convince and inspire more people to get involved. If you know of any rallies, demonstrations, causes and organizations that have been set aside specifically to help out soldiers, to help out those in the fields in Israel uh, on the front lines, uh, let us know. Yesterday I got a call from Leora Teji. Uh, she's proven, as you know, through her work with Armei Urbracha, she has proven that she has the capability of uh, really getting results when it comes to helping people in need. And now she has to pay for that reputation. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 there are certain uh, members of the hierarchy of the Israeli army who have appealed to her directly because of her reputation for getting things done. That's, that's why I say now she's gotta, now she's gotta pay for all the, uh, uh, for all the hard work that she's done. And what I mean is that, uh, that different, um, ranking commanders uh, in the Israeli army have literally reached out to her to help provide the basic essentials and necessities for the soldiers. We're talking about the uh, soap, deodorant, underwear, and a whole bunch of other stuff that you've read about probably online in terms of, uh, you know, what people are collecting, etc. And, um, and they have early next week, uh, people who are going to be going, uh, to the, uh, different army bases to make those deliveries. Um, 
I know there are a lot of great causes, and there are a lot of great causes and a lot of great things that uh, American Jury is funding at this time, um, different projects and uh, food for soldiers, etc. Every one of them is great, and you should spend time online just you know giving everywhere. But I want to point out her work with Orme Obracha because specifically, and she's asking that, uh, and the truth is you can reach her through the website, and it would be a good idea to speak to her. If you're coming from the United States, she'll tell you what they need. If you're coming from the United States, she will tell you what they need, what to bring, what to stuff into your suitcases. So if you're making a trip, she's a good resource to get in touch with. She'll let you know what they need from here. And obviously anybody who just wants to make a donation, not just, but who wants to, you know, support the cause and, and they'll purchase items in Israel, all you gotta do is go to the website. It's a terror-victims.org.il, terror-victims. Dot org dot il. There is a USA phone number I see here, which will probably get you connected to her in some way, and you'll be able to um, to find out exactly what needs to be sent. It's 718-705-7444, 718-705-7444. This is one effort. There are a lot of efforts out there, and we encourage everybody to get involved in whichever one you feel is, um, you know, is... Uh, appropriate for you or the one that uh, strikes your fancy. Uh, there are a lot of efforts out there. We'll continue to um, uh, remind you about hers because of our association with her and how uh, how she has responded every time Israel's been in crisis. Always somehow gets it all together, and she could use our help doing so right now. Ten minutes before 7 o'clock, it's JM in the AM. And... Um, Randy Wartelski informs me that both Camp Moshava and Camp Morasha are sending contingents from uh, Pennsylvania to the rally on Monday in New York City. Kolakavod to both of them and to any other camps that are sending. Uh, as I said, I know a little something about camping. It's a full day affair. It is. It is not an easy thing. And I'm again. I'm not comparing it to what our brothers and sisters around the world are going through, especially in Israel. But it's, you know, it, it's a, uh, it, it takes time and effort, and uh, and they're putting in the time and effort. So uh, kudos and greetings this morning to everybody up in Camp Moshava and Camp Morasha. We hope to see you Sunday, or I should say Monday. I hope to see you Monday at the rally um, in New York City. Um, that's happening 1230 2nd Avenue, 47th Street. Also, we are informed that women from across the New York Jewish community, are invited to an evening of unity, prayer, and song in show of solidarity and support of Israel this Monday night at Lincoln Square Synagogue. That starts at 7 p.m. at 180 Amsterdam Avenue. So uh, women across the New York Jewish community are invited to participate. Many folks have gotten that uh, announcement through email. Uh, if you're able to be there Monday night, yet another perfect example of... Um, the type of rally that we are encouraging and the type of get-togethers that we're encouraging as our brothers and sisters go through this challenging time and as we continue to pray for the safety and security of all the soldiers. It has been a very difficult week with a lot of funerals and a lot of shiva homes throughout the state of Israel. And uh, they need our prayers and our support at this time. JM in the AM coming up, 740 uh, Malcolm Honeline, we will explore the uh, events of this week and discuss what's going on in Israel and the Jewish world. 
He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us at 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. And the rumor has it that Rabbi Yudin is going to be speaking to us live from Israel. He is um, in the Holy Land. And he has utilized his time to support the troops and to visit those whom he can inspire. And I'm sure that will be part of his presentation this morning about Parshas Maseh. As we close out the book of Bamidbar and hear from Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. That's all coming up as well right here at JM in the AM.
Westside's Miro, that's Bitachon. Three weeks format Friday here at JM and AM. My thanks to Sheer Soul, who was here yesterday. David Ross and Sheer Soul put together an amazing three weeks a cappella performance in studio. I thank them very, very much. It was really inspiring because the, um, the music, the song selections were all dedicated to our brothers and sisters in Israel, and they did, they did a great job with that. I thank them. Song and prayer, very important during this time. We saw the way the uh, theme of Achenu through music really carried the Jewish world through a very difficult time in the month of June and now in July during this war that's going on with the enemy. Um, Kudos to those who are going around to the troops and entertaining them and inspiring them with music. People who get together and utilize music in uh, in a um, demonstration of unity and love for one's fellow. It's really something. And I know of some people who went to uh, went to the front lines to entertain and inspire the troops through some very difficult circumstances. You'd be proud of the members of the Jewish music community or industry, whatever you want to call it, who've been out there and have been uh, inspiring people with their incredible music over the last few days. Yes, even during the three weeks, even during the three weeks, they're out there performing and uh, and inspiring everybody. JM and the AM, reminder, there are plenty, and thank God, well, I shouldn't say plenty, there are many, I should say. There are many, many amazing causes that have been established, and a lot of different uh, companies and not-for-profit efforts that have been uh, collecting money for really great Programs, especially the ones for the Israeli soldiers, because they're in such great need. Yesterday, I found out that uh, Or Mayor Obracha, under the leadership of Leora Teji, uh, has been asked, the organization has been asked by members of the uh, Israeli Defense Force hierarchy uh, to provide items of need, including uh, soap, deodorant, shampoo, underwear, etc., for Israeli soldiers. And they turn to her because they know that she'll get it done. Um, frankly, she needs our help to get it done. If anybody wants to be in touch with her office directly, which I think is a good idea, if you're heading to Israel, be in touch with her office directly because they will tell you the type of items you should be stuffing into your suitcase to bring to Israel. Very important. The uh, other thing is, 
that if you'd like to make a donation, she and her organization are going to be working very hard over the next few days to put together these packages and get them to the Army in the early part of next week. So you can go online. It's terror-victims.org.il, terror-victims.org.il. Make a contribution. You could even mention it if you want it specifically for this soldier campaign. And they will do what they can to distribute it as early as possible next week. And um, as I said earlier, there are many, many great efforts that are going on. Uh, efforts and organizations that are feeding soldiers, that are providing basic necessities for them, that are helping out their families. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, and this is, you know, this is a time of war, and obviously people are responding. So we're not here to single out any organization. We are here to inspire, remind everybody, and uh, and offer suggestions to people to get involved, to provide the funds so that these programs in Israel can be effective and can make a difference. Simple as that. Minute after 7 o'clock, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmdm.org. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Masay. Rabbi Yudin will join us from Israel regarding the uh, final Parsha in the Book of Bamidbar, candle lighting at 7.58. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Av, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. will be one day, Monday, starts on Sunday night. Monday is the one day Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Keep that in mind. And uh, that'll begin our nine days format this coming Monday right here at JM in the AM. Galait Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next at JM in the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הותר לפרסום, רב סמל ראשון יאיר אשכנזי, לוחם מילואים בן 36, נהרג הלילה בפעילות מבצעית בעזה. כתבנו רמי שני מדווח. חייל צהל איש מילואים בן 36, נהרג הבוקר מאירי שבוצע בנסיבות הנחקרות עתה בידי גורמים צבאיים. האיש יאיר אשכנזי מרחובות צורף ליחידה לוחמת ונכנס עימה לאזור צפון הרצועה, שם נפגע הבוקר מהיריות. הוא יובא למנוחות בחלקה הצבאית בבית העלמין ברחובות בשעה ארבע אחר הצהריים. עד כאן. רסיסי רקטה פגעו בבית מגורים באשקלון, נגרם נזק לבניין, חמישה נפגעי חרדה פונו לקבלת טיפול. כתבתנו שירה הדס נקר, שוחחה עם אנשים שהיו במקום. אני יצאתי מפה עשרים שניות לפני והגעתי למאפייה ושמעתי את הפיצוץ. פיצוץ מאוד חזק. אני הגעתי לחניה, הייתי עם קניות, התחלתי להזדרז, הרמתי את השקיות שלי, ואיך שאני עובר את המפתן הזה להיכנס לכיוון הבניין, היה פיצוץ אדיר. מאוד מאוד גדול, ואני הבנתי שזה בבניין שלנו. מעל גוש דן, בצהריים, שני יירוטים של כיפת ברזל. כתבתנו שרון פולבר. אזעקות הופעלו בערים רבות במרכז הארץ, בין היתר בתל אביב, ראשון לציון, פתח תקווה, חולון ובנתב"ג. כיפת ברזל ירתה בהצלחה שתי רקטות מעל גוש דן, ומספר רסיסים הותרו באזור בלי שגרמו לנזק משמעותי. אדם אחד נפצע בינוני לאחר שרכב פגע בו עם משמע האזעקה בראשון לציון. שני בני אדם נפצעו קל בעת שרצו למרחבים המוגנים, וישנם נפגעי חרדה. בודדים. במקביל שלוש רקטות נפלו בשטחים פתוחים בחבל אשכול. אזעקה נשמעת כעת במועצה האזורית חוף אשקלון.
הקבינט המדיני-ביטחוני התכנס בעוד שעה לדון במתווה קרי להפסקת אש. כתבתנו אלעיל שחר. השרים בנט, ארדן וליברמן צפויים להצביע נגד ההסדר המוצע להפסקת האש, ונראה שגם השר יצחק אהרונוביץ' לא סבור שנכון לנסור את האש בעיתוי הנוכחי. כך שנראה שראש הממשלה יתקשה לגייס רוב בעד המתווה שעל הפרק. לפי שעה, גם מטעם חמאס לא התקבלה תגובה רשמית להצעה. יושב ראש ועדת החוץ והביטחון, חבר הכנסת זאב אלקין, קרא לקבינט שלא להסכים להפסקת אש. לדבריו, מהלך כזה יהיה בכייה לדורות וכניעה לסחטנות ולטרור, כשחמאס לא הוכה כמו שצריך ואפילו קיבל הבטחות להישגים כלכליים. כתבנו עידו בן בג'י מוסר שמנגד יושבת ראש מרץ זהבה גלאון אמרה בשיחה עם גלי צה"ל לא ניתן יהיה לנצח את הרקטות והמנהרות רק באמצעות כוח. אני קוראת לקבינט הביטחוני לאמץ היום את ההצעה להפסקת האש שהציע מזכיר המדינה האמריקאי ג'ון קרי במסגרת ההצעה הזאת להעניק מקסימום הישגים לאבו מאזן ולא לחמאס ובסיום המבצע אני מצפה שראש הממשלה נתניהו יודיע על חידוש השיחות עם נשיא הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן התחדשו המהומות במזרח ירושלים. מיד לאחר התפילה בהר הבית החלו צעירים לידות אבנים באזור העיר העתיקה ובוואדי ג'וז. שני שוטרים נפצעו קל וחשוד אחד נעצר. כתבנו יותם ברגר מציין שבמהלך הלילה נרשמו התפרעויות ברחבי מזרח העיר. יוסי בניון עולה למגרש ההסברה, כתבנו שמואל מוניץ. הכדורגלן האנגלי ג'וי בארטון פרסם הבוקר ציוץ ובו כתב אילו זה היה קורה בכל מקום מלבד ישראל, המערב כבר היה מתערב. ילדים תמימים נטבחים בעזה וחייבים לעצור את זה. בתגובה כתב בניון, ששיחק לצד בארטון בקווינס פארק ריינג'רס, חבר, יש דברים שלא משתנים. היית טיפש ותישאר טיפש לשארית חייך. בארטון הגיב חזרה, אסור לכם להרוג ילדים חפים מפשע. מזג האוויר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות שעורך עידו דוד כהן, בצוות הודיה קוסלובסקי ונועם נויפלד.
That's right. Friday morning, time to say good Shabbos is right. Leif Tahar off of the Shabbos Acapella CD, the Shabbos Acapella Treasury. Uh, Jordan B. Gorfinkel and Company producing that amazing collection. 6.13 before that with the Krakow Nigun. Uh, here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 7.58 on this uh, Erev Shabbos Parsha's Masay. Rosh Chodesh Av is Monday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh. Uh, tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Av is a Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, I should say, is a one-day Rosh Chodesh. is coming Monday.
and um, the nine days format will begin on Monday here at JM in the AM. The rally on Monday, uh, the demonstration on behalf of Israel, which we hope is going to be really large and really impactful, takes place at 47th Street and 2nd Avenue in New York City starting at 12.30 p.m. Monday. 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, New York City. That is 11.30 camp time for those coming in from uh, summer camps that change the clock. 12.30 city time, 47th and 2nd in New York City. We ask everyone to be there in attendance and let's demonstrate on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Israel. Malcolm Holmline coming up about 20 minutes from now with the weekly update. I thought it was rather obvious if you would read, if you would have read between the lines of what I was saying last week, I thought it was rather obvious just how high level a meeting Malcolm was at in Washington last Friday morning. Maybe it wasn't that obvious. Thought it was. But anyway, uh, he wasn't able to join us for that reason, but he'll join us today. Coming up at 740. Rabbi Yudin live from Israel. That's right. He's in the Holy Land. He's on his own solidarity mission. And uh, he'll join us coming up live with words about Parsha's Masse right here at JM in the AM. Shabbos, the Koyra, I'm going to Shabbos. Yismechim, 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 Yismechim
J.M. in the A.M., Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. So earlier in the week, as you know, of course, uh, I had the privilege of being on the Nefesh Benefesh flight to Israel and uh, really had a golden opportunity to meet some tremendous heroes, all of whom were, uh, well, all of whom except for us, were, were heading to Israel on a permanent basis. Yeah, as I say to people, I made Aliyah for about a half a day on this trip. Maybe, maybe a drop longer because of the FAA keeping me in Israel for a while. Uh, but we met some real heroes who were um, putting down their roots and moving their families and being greeted at Ben-Gurion Airport by prominent individuals who uh, blessed them for what they had done during this week, a very, very tough week of war in the Holy Land. So one of the, one of the families we met was the Eisenberg family from up in Riverdale, and this was my conversation with uh, Mr. Eisenberg uh, on the plane. This is actually happening on the plane, journeying uh, from... Kennedy Airport to Tel Aviv. Here's what it sounded like on that Nefesh Benefesh flight. I am here with Daniel Eisenberg on his Aliyah flight to Israel. He and his family are on this incredible flight. That's not just a regular, if there is such a thing, a regular Aliyah flight with Nefesh Benefesh, but because of the situation in Israel, it's something even more meaningful. Thank you very much for joining me. It's great to be here. All right, uh, tell me how this evolved, how you got from your first thoughts of Aliyah till finally being on this plane. So when I think back of what my first thoughts of Aliyah were, I think back uh, to my ninth grade in MTA when my mother took me on a trip to Israel, 
and all of a sudden everything clicked all the davening that we talk about Zion, all the learning all the um, times that in school they talked about Israel all of a sudden being there said hey this makes sense this is where I'm going to live my life and then that was you know as a, as a young kid and then I went to Yeshiva in Israel I went to Yeshiva Shalavim and all my thoughts from ninth grade were confirmed and then I made sure that when I was dating, I'd date somebody who shared my dreams. And after many, many, many years, we're finally uh, going. You thought you might be moving to Israel a little sooner, uh, but I guess now is the right time, so to speak. If you, you know, if we're believers, we have to believe this is the right time. So it must be a very, very exciting day for you. Uh, this is uh, seems like the best day of my life. It's hard to imagine that so many years of planning and thinking and, um, again, more planning, more planning and dreaming, and now it's actually coming true. How are your wife and the children reacting to this? Uh, everyone is so excited. You know, since my children were born, they knew that their home was going to be in Israel, and now we're going home. And you'll be living in Daniel. And give me your impressions about making this trip now in this challenging summer of 2014. So, as, as I've said... We were planning on Aliyah for a long time. We read the news, we share with friends what's going on, and we knew that Israel has good times, has tough times. And just because right now is a tough time doesn't mean that we're not going to come. This is our home. We're on our way. You certainly are. Mazal Tov, and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Amen. 
Final day of our uh, three weeks format here at JM in the AM, I guess. Oh, that's not true. JM Sunday will be three weeks format still, because that's Erev Rosh Chodesh. So Matis will have a three weeks format JM Sunday coming up on Sunday. Uh, don't forget that Matis on Sunday includes a news report from Israel in English, which is usually comprehensive and really good. So you'll get a nice update in English, uh, uh, usually at the top of the 8 o'clock hour uh, during JM Sunday on our Incredible network. Uh, check it out on the web at jmandtheam.org. Uh, Matis usually hits the air at 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Uh, so make sure to check that out. But anyway, our nine days format will begin on Monday, Rosh Chodesh Av, the one day Rosh Chodesh. Candle lighting 758 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Masse demonstration, New York City, coming up uh, Monday, 1230 p.m., 47th and 2nd in New York City. Praying that there'll be a big crowd when we gather there on Monday. Kudos to all the sponsoring organizations and to all the organizations that have added their names to this rally. I've mentioned, and thank God a lot of people in our audience were part of it, that there have been a lot of demonstrations and rallies, especially spontaneous ones that have taken place. I think Monday's is being taken even more seriously because of its location. It's right next to the United Nations. We want there to be a very vocal crowd and large crowd there on Monday, and we hope everybody in the uh, in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, Pennsylvania as well, especially with the camps that are coming in, uh, we hope that everybody will be there in full voice this coming Monday, 12.30 p.m. If you have a lunch break, if you have a chance to just get into Manhattan and you know get out just as quickly, do what you can to be there. Spend a half hour, an hour at the rally on Monday, 12.30 p.m. at 47th and 2nd in New York City. 
We mentioned that Leora Teji is among the people in Israel who's collecting uh, items for Chayalim. If you're leaving for Israel, and I noticed on Facebook yesterday a bunch of people mentioned that they're utilizing next week. For some people, it's a slower week, nine days, depending on what industry you're in. I noticed that there are people who are heading to Israel. If you're heading to Israel Sunday or Monday, get in touch with our mayor of Bracha in Israel. Find out what they are collecting for these soldiers. And they will tell you specifically what you should bring from the United States. Could be socks, could be underwear, could be deodorant, could be soap, could be shampoo. They will tell you what they need. And uh, and you could call their office at 718-705-7444. So if you're heading to Israel Sunday, Monday, next week, use that phone number, contact Armeyer Racha's office, and ask them, what do you need us to bring? What should I stuff a duffel bag with and bring along? 718-705-7444. The other thing is, um, if you want to just give a, uh, if you want to give, I should say, a uh, monetary donation, go to terror-victims.org.il, terror-victims.org.il, terror-victims.org.il. They're going to be collecting for the soldiers and distributing starting um, early in the morning on Sunday, I believe. Is the uh, is the goal to start getting stuff out to the soldiers to the front lines on Sunday? And your help, of course, is greatly appreciated. Jam in the AM, Malcolm Holmline coming up. We'll talk about the events of this week. Weekly update minutes away here at Jam in the AM. Rabbi Yudin from Israel be joining us coming up as well. Keep it right here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org.
J.M. in the A.M. That Imesh Gachech was done by uh, Eli Gerstner and the Chevra. In the final day of our, well, as I said, Matis on J.M. Sunday will still be in a three-weeks format. Uh, for me, it's the final day of a three-weeks format. Nine days begin on Monday, Rosh Chodesh Av. Keep that in mind. want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our amazing network uh, to their readers. A lot of stuff that they've got online, as you can imagine, especially at a time like this. News and commentary, check it out, jewishworldview.com. And we thank them. A reminder, the rally in Manhattan is uh, Monday at 12.30 p.m., 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, New York City. There have been a lot of prayer and Tehillim gatherings, a lot of demonstrations, a lot of rallies. Because of the location of the one on Monday, we're encouraging everybody to try your best to be there. Make your voice heard. 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, Dag Hamershal Plaza, right next to the United Nations in New York City, 1230 this coming Monday. Malcolm Holmline is with us. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update. Malcolm, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hello? Yeah, Malcolm, you there? I'm here. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, we'll start by acknowledging the fact that uh, there were too many funerals, too many shiva homes in Israel uh, this week. We know, um, and we continue to uh, read and are in touch with people who uh, express the um, the sadness, the tension, the difficulties that are going on in Israel at this time. And we ask everybody to continue to pray for the safety and security of the people of Israel and the safety and security of the soldiers of the IDF and those who are protecting the Holy Land. Uh, Malcolm, it's been a very challenging week, to say the least. Um, not quite sure where to begin, but uh, maybe we should start with the progress of the IDF. You're in touch with people who could tell you about how this operation is going, whether in fact the mission to eliminate these tunnels and to uh, and to curtail the possibility of terror and missiles being targeted at Israel uh, you could tell us what kind of progress has been made. How would you evaluate the uh, operation so far? Okay, so let me try to take each part of that. First, uh, I want to encourage people as well to come on Monday to the rally at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza. It's really important that we make uh, this a success. We are simultaneously also holding a National Leadership Assembly in Washington with leaders of the administration the top leaders of Congress, Israeli ambassador, many others, a tribute to the IDF. Um, we are working on many fronts, and last night I attended an amazing rally in uh, Englewood with a packed house, more, they said more than 1,300 people. There are rallies going on across the United States in what is the most unique manifestation, I think, of support that we have seen where gatherings of 1,000, 2,000 people are taking place in small and large cities and communities literally every single day, many of them, and we will document this all when it's, uh, when it's over. So there is strong grassroots support. I had a privilege, again, to speak to the Christians United for Israel Convention in Washington and to see the thousands of Christians from all over the United States so devoted, so excited, so charge to stand with Israel. It's just amazing. And the, the 
message to the people of Israel, especially after what we saw with the FAA that uh, and the banning of some flights, that they are not alone, that we are standing with them. I hope people will continue to go, but that also the manifestations here are reported and people get to know about it. In terms of how it's going, I think it's really going much better than the media reports would indicate. This is a systematic approach. I think they found more than they anticipated in terms of the infrastructure of tunnels, more than 60, according to accounts that are still being given, maybe more. Um, a significant number of them have been destroyed, not all. They're going after those that go into Israel. The others are a network underneath cities, homes, um, hospitals, mosques. Uh, it, it, it stretches underneath the whole communities, whole sections of cities. In fact, sometimes even under old cities. And blowing them up would entail perhaps endangering all of the buildings, etc. So that's for the experts to determine what, uh, what gets destroyed, what gets sealed, what they have to set as a priority. Uh, but they're not done, and they, they need more time to finish this search for all of these uh, tunnels. And you know that there's a story. Again, we don't have full verification, but I think it has a lot of veracity that there was going to be an attempt to send thousands of, sold, of uh, terrorists on Rosh Hashanah night this year through these tunnels that open up in different segments along, from Gaza into Israel, some of them right alongside, even underneath the homes of Israelis, uh, who had reported hearing these strange noises, but this is 20, 30 feet below ground, and people you know, did not... Uh, didn't detect exactly what was going on. And it's a miracle that these were uncovered before they could carry out this kind of a dastardly attack, which would be very hard to respond to if simultaneously 20 tunnels, let's say, are activated and the people pour out of them. Maybe this is a good time to note, by the way, that the enemy has been very impressive. Uh, we're not dealing with the same type of enemy uh, from years ago. We, you know what I mean. Uh, the State of Israel, the IDF, is dealing with a, a, a different type of element here between the cleverness, the booby trapping, the tunnel building, the, the dressing up as Israeli soldiers. The, the tactics are, are much different and much more sophisticated than in the old days. Even though a lot of what they do is very primitive still, you are quite right, and it shows how much preparation went into all of this. They started digging these tunnels the day after the last war. They have fired, I think, now to 2,330 or 40 rockets, which is an average of 140 a day over 16 days. They have activated this elaborate network for cross-border uh, attacks. Um, they, these were used by Hamas terrorists to infiltrate into Israeli territory, if you remember, with uh, Gilad Shalit. But that was nothing like the ones now. These tunnels, uh, one of them, has 500 tons of cement. If you remember a year ago, the international community was demonstrating for humanitarian cement, meaning that Israel was borrowing it, saying this would be used for rocket launchers and bases and for tunnels. And the international community kept putting more pressure and more pressure, and finally Israel relented. And we see what happened. I mean, I've got new respect for cement. I never knew they were humanitarian, but the, the, the fact is that you see how the international community forced Israel's hand and how the Gaza... Terrorists 
uh, in fact, used and exploited every one of these opportunities. Right. Not to overstate the obvious, but we know that uh, Israel left Gaza nine years ago. Before nine years ago, there were no such thing as these tunnels, correct? Uh, no, I think that there were uh, there were attempts to build uh, tunnels, but nothing on the scale or the... Because Israel had somewhat of a control over the Israel area. Israel had full control, and, right. and at least you, you had uh, the presence, uh, you know, even along the border. And, and part of the problem was that uh, the Egyptians didn't really do it a, a good job under Mubarak. They did some, mm-hmm. and under Morsi, they reversed it, and they opened the tunnels, and they kept... They allowed in and even supplied a lot of the material that we're now finding. And under President Sisi, we have seen the reversing of that policy with many, many, maybe a thousand tunnels from Egypt to, to, um, to Gaza closed. And by the way, one of the reasons that I was told that, that they couldn't detect, you know, the movement of people to do this work is that they did not use Hamas members. They hired the families from Rafah. Who used to who made their living building the tunnels into Egypt, and they moved them to do this work, and they start inside people's homes, so you can't really detect it. And they even used small construction equipment to do the digging out because to go a mile in it is yeah, I mean, a mile and a half. It's a huge amount of work you know we, we joke about the subways but if you look at these tunnels and the videos of these tunnels i mean they're they you, you need real machinery to do this somebody said they should hire him for the second avenue subway. exactly yeah. this thing would be done in a couple of it, weeks. it's unbelievable the progress that they make because you said the last war so i'm saying to myself uh, when you mean the last war i assume you mean the last operation in gaza right against right. hamas but obviously even way before that some of these tunnels were you know started to be formed and you know, may, may have already been, been there may have been completed tunnels Israel didn't get to in the last war. Uh, it's really based on the Hezbollah experience in the Lebanon war. After the first Lebanon war, and then the second, if you remember, they had this infrastructure of tunnels, which made it very hard for Israel to to ferret them out, and 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 doing so at the same time while trying to avoid civilian casualties because they built it into civilian areas. But they built this whole extensive network. I mean, you could live three months underground. There's cooking and food and uh, cooking facilities, food, everything else is there So in in Lebanon. And they replicated that, which shows the Iranian link here, that they brought probably experts and others to teach them how to do it. Uh, And by the way, there are tunnels underneath our border with Mexico that Hezbollah had a hand in. This is not, this is becoming a universal phenomenon, but the... And and they use it to smuggle all sorts of things, whether it was in Gaza or in Lebanon, um, uh, Lebanon, not not as much, but in Gaza to bring uh, human trafficking, drugs, weapons, let alone uh, black market foods and stuff. I mean, Israel is, 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 you know, the media likes to paint it like they're up against a bunch of terrorists. Israel's up against countries. They're up against countries in this war. Funding and equipment and men, as you just mentioned, and workmanship from places like Iran and Lebanon and God knows where else. It is, uh, they are up against a network. If you look, ISIS today announced that they are, uh, formally said that they are in Gaza. We've known all along that they were in Gaza, uh, though I, we don't think of very big presence. But you have Pidge, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, that Israel targeted significantly this these last days, uh, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. Uh, Hamas, which had a split with Iran, but still obviously got a lot of weapons. We remember the Class C ship which was intercepted, which was coming, an Iranian project, you know, starting in Syria, going through Iraq and to Iran to go to 
Sudan and from the Sudan into the Sinai and into Gaza. Um, so you're right. It's it's a much more complicated. People, you know, call them militants, which is a word that makes me crazy because it, it so diminishes and denudes the real significance of these terrorists and killers. The um, and and there is a network of support. So whether it's Boko Haram or whether it's uh, ISIS or whether it's Hamas, and even though they're not necessarily all directly linked, they all part of this international network, and people move between countries. We know that in Syria, that fighters in Syria have moved right. to Gaza, or people who were in Libya moved to Syria. Are, are these West Bank, quote-unquote, West Bank protests continuing this afternoon in Israel, and are you afraid that there could be an intifada-type element that's now going to creep into this whole operation that Israel's going to have to contend with? There have been threats of, of the inciting an intifada. The belief is that the people don't want it. They know the price they paid for it last time, the Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, but the, um, the the danger here is that you have an endless supply of people, especially young people. It's a summer. And most of all, this weekend is the uh, was declared by Khamenei as Al-Quds weekend, I mean, which is the reference to Jerusalem, the liberation of Jerusalem, and it's always the last weekend before the end of Ramadan, which, of course, is on Rosh Chodesh, so we, we can track when Ramadan ends, <laughs> generally. So the that that could, and, and people, you know, have been fasting during the day and eat at night, so now you're going to go back to the normal routine, which could well mean that we will see an escalation in some of these activities, but I think Israel... Uh, is and better be prepared for it because you could have this is one of the nightmares we've always talked about that you could have a march of thousands of people uh, onto various sites. So you know, hopefully, this will be contained. You know, uh, I'll never forget this from the Yom Kippur War as a kid. You know, everyone, everyone expected six days later it would be over. You know, like that was that was the benchmark for wars at that time. I can't believe it. It's day seven. It's not over yet. You know, in reference, of course to the Six-Day War, and I think one of the things people have to stop focusing on is it seems that everywhere you turn, eh, another few Israel needs another few days, should be over by the end of next week, you know, how much longer can it take? I think it's time to realize at this point that Israel's in for the long haul, uh, both both from the way they're approaching this in terms of, you know, going in on the ground, not wanting to, uh, to, to stop before the job is done. This could be, this could take a while. Uh, the, the completion... Uh, the total completion. I, I believe that we will see a ceasefire within days unless there's some untoward action. You know, the international community uh, has doesn't can tolerate 50,000 people being killed in a day or two. They they have a harder time tolerating a thousand people for 50 days. Mm. And then the and when it comes to Israel, and the international community builds up the animosity. You notice that nobody talks about the fact that five or six times the number of people were killed in Syria during the same period of this conflict than uh, were killed in the, in the conflict with, the, with uh, uh, Hamas. Uh, that uh, 600 and some people or 800 people now, maybe 1,000 in Iraq, have been killed. And you don't see any movements on resolutions. And uh, as we saw this week, the Human Rights Council of the United Nations in the typical hypocrisy with only the United States voting against it and, uh, making a very strong statement by Ambassador Powers uh, that uh, the, uh, the Europeans mostly uh, abstained, but, uh, you know, a remarkable demonstration of cowardice again. Yet they treat Israel, it's not a higher standard, it's truly the double standard, 
it's uh, you know we see the media's coverage and how they portray without any verification of facts without any attempt to create context i heard it again this morning uh, on several uh, broadcasts first of all some of them only mentioned the rockets last night rockets flew over tel aviv ashkelon you had many more they when when a two and a half thousand rockets have been fired at a civilian population and yet, in most of the broadcasts today, they don't even mention anymore. It's Israel's <laughs> war against Hamas. It's as if Israel just went, decided one day to cross over and, and pursue this terrorist uh, uh, organization, declared terrorist organization by the United States, Europe, and the rest of the world for all of their activities. Well, their media arm is doing very well. And they have a lot of accomplices. I agree with that. But they're doing much better than they used to in the old days. I'll tell well, you I would much. say that Israel is doing much better than it did in the, in the past. Its spokespeople are much more articulate, both those here in the United States and, and in Israel. The information flow is is uh, very good. The the fact is, though, that when you start against a built-in bias, it, whether it's the underdog, whether it's the weaker party, whatever excuse they want to come up with, the fact is that there is a bias. That it is it, it is not something you can simply overcome and. You know, they, they have more active uh, support, I would say, in, in many places. But Israel has more active support. All of these rallies. But when you have a cla- the other side is willing to engage in violence in their clashes, and that's what the media wants. It wants blood and gore. It wants to be able to show blown-up buildings. But you'll notice that they never show a Hamas fighter, because Hamas gave the orders that you can, pick, you can take pictures of the civilians, but you can't picture any Hamas fighters. New York Times never had a picture of a fighter from, from Hamas, and nor do you see it in any of the media broadcasts. Are they hidden? Nobody knows where they are. Israel's killed a couple hundred of them, so they found them. The answer is that, that's, that they, they abide by the rules because they know that you can do whatever you want to Israel. It's a democracy. The next day you're out there broadcasting and, and being able to continue lying. When it comes to the Hamas, you lie once. You, you broadcast once that they don't like, and mm. that's the end. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Holmline is with us. Rally is Monday, 1230 p.m., 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, New York City. Find every excuse to be there. 1230 p.m. Monday, 47th Street, 2nd Avenue in New York City. Um, well, I, I was in Israel Tuesday, and uh, you know, before my kids went to Israel this summer, I said to them, if you're in it, uh, it's a lot less obvious to you. And you know what that means, Malcolm. You've been to Israel a million times, including times like this. And I was in a red alert, and I and three of my flights were canceled because of the FAA. God bless them. But there's a, it, there's a, a stick-to-itiveness of getting through the day in Israel and having things be as normal as possible that is just so admirable, it's incredible. And that was the feeling that we had there. And I would hope that you'll join me. And, and again, we're so careful, both of us, in not telling people that they got to go because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be, you know, the, the person who was, you know, who then they come back and, and, and blame for whatever. But we have to at least acknowledge and remind people of just how incredible it is there and how it's not, you know, when you're thousands of miles away, it seems much more difficult and much more uh, horrible than than it actually is. Uh, if you have trips planned, keep them on the calendar. I don't know what else to say. We have to continue to encourage people 
you know, to, to make their own decision, obviously, but to, to, to continuously remind them how amazing Israel is. You, you can't say it better than that. And to know the impact is not just economic. The hotels are empty. Restaurants are empty. Many, some of them close because, and their employees don't come into work. And that means the suppliers to these places are also in, in situations of distress. It means that the employees of the suppliers and those who are the farmers who grow the produce that go to the suppliers, you have to look at the whole chain of impact. And tourism is not just related to directly to those institutions, but the secondary and tertiary impact throughout the economy. Secondly, the, the psychological impact of Israel being alone, that they don't see people. They say, sure, the first test, and everybody loves to come here and say, look what we built, and then the first test, they're not there. So there are many solidarity missions going. People should consider uh, joining one of them or join, going to visit your relatives in Israel. And it's quite remarkable. When we went to the South last week and I went to encourage people, they encouraged us. When we went to give them support, they were so busy giving us support. <laughs> and we took a group in Ashkelon to, to dinner with the mayor, and uh, they said it was the first time that they've had any break since this war began, 16 days, 18 days of, of this, because even before they were under some... Right. So the presence makes a difference, and it sends a message to the world that Israel's not alone. If the FAA can do what they did and can bar travel and everything, they know what to call it, what the impact is. And I don't believe that it was politically motivated, at least we don't have information that it was. But it certainly had a political impact, and I think the reversal was... Would you at least agree that it was kowtowing to terror? I think it gave the terrorists a victory that they could boast. I think it, it will invite more attacks on international airports because they see that this is a, 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 a target that gets uh, uh, that gets attention. When a lot was targeted yesterday, was that because there's an airport there? Uh, no, not, they, they periodically fire uh, in different uh, areas and different uh, because usually the fire on a lot comes out of the out of the Sinai, not out of Gaza. Uh, so it but it's very rare and and what uh, one other point within five minutes you, you have to stay in your car after the uh, alert is over because these bombs are filled with shrapnel and ball bearings and they can still fly so they everybody has supposed to stay still for a little while afterwards but instantly life is back to normal it's as if nothing happened people are so used to it, people are accommodated to People can sleep through them already, uh, through the alerts, because people have told me that it's occurred to them that the, the, this is, these weapons are intended to do as much damage to human beings and in the most horrific way, clearly a violation of international law, and yet the Human Rights Council charges Israel as potentially being guilty. They acknowledge that maybe Hamas is, but Israel's the one that they target. And uh, so I go back to the idea that the isolation of Israel is terrible we're seeing protests now across uh, jordan we're seeing others so this is going to be escalating uh you saw in turkey how how things have de deteriorated there for us uh, and we're worried about jewish communities in these countries worried about what's going on in europe uh you know we're trying to cover all of these these bases at one time and it's not easy by the way someone told me yesterday that the iron dome was created to actually disintegrate the rocket but it's not working exactly you know, the way they hoped at this very, not that there's any complaints about the Iron Dome, but I'm just saying that it was actually built to make sure there would be no shrapnel. And that eventually... In many cases, there is limited shrapnel, 
uh, I know people have told me in Tel Aviv and places like that. It all depends on the na- where they hit. Right. And, it apparently and depends it on how the to, right how the rocket hits the other rocket. That's how the right. and it, and it's made to be head on, and that's when the supposedly it disintegrates. And if it's not head on, then you'll see more shrapnel. Uh, yeah, listen to me, the expert on rocket attacks. All I can tell you is that I never knew you were yeah. such a physicist. God bless the Iron Dome. That's all I can tell you. Absolutely. And of course, of course, God bless the the ultimate and Iron God Dome. Blessed us with the Iron Dome. He certainly did. Um, the, the FAA thing. I don't know. I know you're saying it's not politically motivated, but boy, you know, there were there were a lot of statements by some prominent people who were alluding to the fact that it was likely politically motivated. And by the way, I would assume all these rumors about the Netanyahu discussions with Washington regarding the FAA are completely false and that there probably was no discussion regarding the decision other than Israel expressing, you know, outrage that they would go ahead and cancel the flights. I would say that we we did have discussions and we went public on this right away. Yeah, but the rumor is that the Prime Minister of Israel threatened the United States. No, no the President of the United States didn't threaten yeah, the United States. Yeah, I figured. He did express in very strong terms their objection to the ruling because that it gave a victory to the terrorists, because it hurt the traffic into Ben-Gurion uh, Airport, and because he felt it wasn't justified. And I think that that, uh, that, that was the extent of it. He may have raised it with uh, Secretary Kerry when he was in Israel. I'm sure he did, in fact, or others, and I'm sure the Israeli ambassador to the U.S. expressed the concern about uh, this move. By the way, I got to tell you, you know, I saw it firsthand. The the Israeli people in the airport are informed that their flights are canceled. They leave and go home. Very little, you know, you know how you'd, you'd think that some people would be freaking out, yelling and screaming at everybody. I saw it firsthand. Very, very little of that. It's amazing how. You know, as as tough as they are, how flexible they know they have to be because of the situation, how they know that they're at war and anything could happen at a moment's notice. And, and of course, they thank God that unlike many of their brothers and sisters are not losing children in Gaza and that their biggest inconvenience is missing a flight. Across the board, in the whole country, how few incidents there are, how people are tolerant, how they reach out to one another, the kind of unity that this has evoked. In Israel, and I hope there will be more manifestations from every sector, every sector, to show that they are part of this effort and part of the war. And then we could start with Monday's rally. Every sector should be there. Well, that's from here. I meant I was talking about in Israel. Oh yeah, good Certainly point, sir. Certainly here, right? But here I see it. I see who comes to the rallies and the events that I've spoken and I've attended. I mean, it's across the board, and many non-Jews, by the way, many non-Jews and 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 Christians after Israel were five thousand non-Jews. Um, mostly who, who, who came together it, to de- and the depth of the manifestation. I only wish everybody could experience it once to see what real Islam was, what such, such a real emotion and dedication is like. And, but I see it at the rallies. I saw it last night in Englewood. Uh, the crowds were so uh, responsive and, and so committed. You could sense it. I drew energy. I was exhausted last night and then had to still go to the studio. And it was amazing. By the way, on the topic of different sectors and all that, if you pay careful attention, and you have to sometimes pay very careful attention because, believe it or not, there's some people who don't like the publicity. There are certain Hasidic Rabbanim and rabbis in general who are spending a lot of time in hospitals with chayalim, with soldiers, and it should be acknowledged, as you just said, and it'll be very interesting to see 
and I hope I've got to be careful what I say here, but <laughs> all I'm saying is that we we should acknowledge that across the board there are certain people who take pitching in very seriously, doing whatever they can. I, I want to tell you something, Nachum. It's a very important point. I have a good friend who runs Beaker as it's calling for uh, the Belzer Rebbe, and the Belzer Rebbe instructed him, and he and and we came down to stay road. There he was, a Hasidic guy, Freed, with a whole crew. They had been along the border giving out food and candies and, and support to the soldiers, going from one place to the other, and were exactly in the place where the volunteer was killed just minutes before him. Right. And these guys go every day. They're down there. And many, many others, people don't know the level of volunteerism and the, the degree of involvement of people. And uh, absolutely, I think that that part of the story has to be told. I hope that it will be widespread. I hope that there will be manifestations to show the support for the Chayalim from every sector, and in whatever way we do it, whether we learn, whether we fight, whether we clean the streets, whatever, everybody has to show. And here, we have to be careful. There are a lot of people who make appeals for stuff that is not needed, and on the other hand, I think that there will be a need for a lot of support for families. There are 33 now. One more was killed today. Uh, 33 dead. Many of those families will, will, will be in need of assistance after the war. But and I, I'm very upset that there are people who exploit these circumstances. Um, uh, you know, the IDF says that many of the things uh, that supposedly people are collecting for, they don't need. Every soldier gets vests this time. They were much better prepared. Um, so people should be careful, but there will be a need, and we have to show these families afterwards that it doesn't end when the fighting ends that we stand with them all the time. Yeah, no question about it. Um, has the United Nations issued any official condemnation of Israel in the last few days? Sure. And any this, statements against Israel? And this is because of yesterday's episode with the uh, the UN school building, or it had, had to do with other uh, aspects as well? Well, let me just tell you, because this is getting so much attention by the way, you know, the, the Iranian speaker announced that they had given Hamas the technology it was using and how they, that because um, of what they have taught the Hamas terrorists, that they're able now to manufacture uh, the, the weapons, include, including some of the long-range missiles, within Gaza. They don't have to import them. And he was boasting about it. So if somebody, the parliament, the speaker of the parliament, so this, uh, frankly, Ought to be something that's a war crime. You want to trace it? Here's a good example. But anyway, the, the, the UNRWA school has gotten so much attention. First of all, Israel has avoided all of these uh, targets. UNRWA long has been a base for incitement against Israel. We've complained about it. We've talked to the secretaries generals. We've, we've, over the years, we've done a lot to try and highlight this. They were using them for storage. There is no doubt because the UNRWA itself announced it, even though today now Hamas is denying it and saying this is all, of course, an Israeli plot. And then they turned them over, according to reports, to the local police, which is like giving them back to Hamas, and the Secretary General is supposedly uh, investigating it. But what they don't tell is that Israel gave warnings over and over again to leave the building because they knew that it was being used. They uh, exploit all the UNRWA buildings in the Gaza Strip, Stores of Hamas rockets uh, were discovered in the two schools, not just the one. And uh, UNRWA admitted that they were found. Uh, and they said, and the Secretary General said, well, this turns them into military targets, endangering the people who are, are staying there. 
Hamas is continuing to doing to do war crimes every minute of this conflict and and throughout the year in the way that it has built this infrastructure and where they try to use civilians and people then question the whole charge about uh, human shields. It's no question about human shields. It's evident. They do it. They told the people go up in the building, and supposedly people try to leave the UNRWA building when Israel warned them, and they didn't let them. Hamas didn't let them leave the the building. And there was fighting that was conducted in Syria, and there's no evidence that Israel did it yet. This could be a Hamas anti-tank uh, group, which was operating in the region. We, there are a lot of errant missiles fired by Hamas that fall within the, the Gaza itself. Nobody tells the stories and that, that a lot of damage can be done by their own against their own. They don't care whether they kill their own. They want people to die. They live to kill. And Israel sometimes has to kill to live. No but question the about distinction, that. it couldn't be more fundamental. And here you see the rush to judgment against Israel, how quickly uh, the, the media and others are, are rushing to, to denounce them, when in fact, who else sends you know, the, the, the leafleting and makes the phone right. calls. And well, the stories from the uh, Gaza hospitals are the go-to story the last couple of weeks. I mean, every report seems to be from a hospital. They station but... themselves there, and, but, but you've got to listen to the reports of how they call up from their hotel to the IDF saying, I know they launched from here. They just launched a missile from here. Please don't bomb because we're in this building. <laughs> they call the IDF and tell them it. They go to the hospitals. You know who's in, the, in those hospitals? The Hamas leadership operate out the, downstairs. The spokesman was speaking from Wafa Hospital during this week. That they, they they built their infrastructure, the tunnels underneath, because they know that Israel will be hesitant. And there came a point when they were shooting rockets from within the hospital that Israel targeted exactly a point where they were shooting from. Is there going to be collateral damage? Absolutely. Is it regrettable that children and women die? Yes. Hamas is responsible, not Israel. What about the $15 million in humanitarian aid? Was that a good or bad decision by John Kerry? $47 million. It's 47? Right. Oh, excuse me, the entire humanitarian package is $47 million, right. Right. Um, I don't know who they're going to give it to. They say they're going to give it to UNRWA, but you see that UNRWA, is, is, which is their only real channel, um, I, I hope Congress will, will condition it in a way, and, I'm, and I know that Kerry wanted to do something. I don't think the money's going to flow that quickly, hopefully, and that they will be able to, to make sure that it goes for real needs, um, that uh, a rebuilding Gaza after this is going to be uh, an impossibility for a long time, I think. First of all, and, and you've got to deal with all this infrastructure. Are you going to lead the tunnels? The big development this week that got so little coverage, and to me was most significant, was when Tony Blinken, the deputy head of the National Security Council, and now European leaders and members of Congress have called for the de- that part of the deal to settle this now, any kind of ceasefire longer term, is the demilitarization of Gaza. Right. That's the only answer to make sure we don't come back to this in two years, three years, is that there be true demilitarization, de- uh, meaning that the infrastructure of tunnels will be destroyed. It means that the rocket manufacturing will be destroyed, and the people then maybe will be free to bring about a, uh, a regime that will be, uh, won't be a terrorist Hamas regime anymore. Finally, Malcolm, we land in Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, and we learn that not only were hundreds coming from North America, but France and other areas of the globe have been represented uh, in this past week, uh, over 1,500 Olim if you add everybody together. And uh, we are looking at what's going on in Europe with a very keen and concerned eye. Can you... Uh, can you describe for us the situation that Jews in Paris and other places in Europe are in right now and what the future will bring? 
Well, those who have listened to the show for the last few years, or many years, know that 10 years ago, 8 years ago, I, I said that there's not going to be a future for the Jews in Europe, that these, this was inevitable when you look at the demographics, you look at the imbalance between the Muslim population and Jewish population, the radicalization of the Muslim populations, and by far not all Muslims join this, etc. Right. But uh, the, the nature of the demonstrations, the slowness of the police to respond, the uh, widespread nature of it, and and now we get reports. In fact, Norway today said that uh, they're warning about 50 guys who are leaving Syria, trained to carry out terrorist attacks abroad, and that they know that Norway is one of the uh, targets. Well, all of their support for terrorists, maybe they should be a target, but we certainly don't want to see any civilians and people hurt. But the threat of these thousands of guys in Syria carrying American, European, and other passports who will be able to travel and are now trained as killers, are going are posing a, such a serious threat to everyone and the um, situation in Europe what we saw in Toulouse what we saw in, in Brussels it's only the tip of the iceberg I don't want people to panic and I'm not saying that they, you know should be sudden uh, outflow but we see that uh, that the number of Jews leaving France has significantly increased and it will reach perhaps 5,000 this year uh, many, many French people have homes in Israel already or elsewhere, uh, planning to leave to other places. It, it is going to be more and more widespread, in, even in Great Britain. You see it in other countries, uh, that the fact that you can't walk with an outward Jewish manifest, uh, something that shows a mug and David or a yarmulke or other things, it's inevitable. But the handwriting was on the wall for a long time. And the, the, I think that the police are, are unable even to cope completely. They don't respond when the synagogues are surrounded with people. And now the, the French JDL has essentially been reactivated and is expanding, and they're doing their own uh, defense um, um, programs. Yeah, the uh, the Zurich story we heard from last Shabbos, the police basically begged them to move the event because they knew they wouldn't be able to deal with the thousands of protesters who were coming in. And everywhere that there are events, we had demonstrators outside of our building yesterday, for the IDF the day before. This is often, unfortunately, uh, also Jews of um, Jewish Voices for Peace, who are voices for, for anything but peace um, and are disgraceful in their activities. And we've seen the marginalization of other groups, who, who people were touting, and when we see that, in fact, when it comes to the bottom line, they're not there and that they... Uh, always, they demand that the that, that any manifestation, you know, takes into account and and uh, puts Israel and Hamas on equal footing. Uh, those groups have to be isolated in our community. There has to be a willingness to stand up to those who seek to divide us, to those who undermine Israel's case. It doesn't mean people can't be critical or disagree in, in time. Right now, it's war, and Israel people we have to stand it. Our message can't be clouded. It has to be very clear where we stand today. And everybody has to stand behind Israel because this is a battle for our future. What these terrorists are showing us coming from the Middle East now, they're not going to Israel. They're going to go to Norway. They're going to go to France. They're going to come yeah. to the United States. They're going to go to, to uh, Great Britain. It's only a matter of time. Rally is Monday. Rally is Monday, 47th and 2nd. By the way, Malcolm, before I say goodbye um, and thank you, uh, I-, I thought it was rather obvious from the way I was presenting uh, last week's um, uh, situation where you were, weren't able to join us. I, I thought it was obvious that people were reading between the lines just how high level a meeting you were having in Washington. We don't have to go into details about that. I'll, I'll handle that part. But with that in mind and knowing that uh, that you've been involved in some really high level talks in the last few days, 
Can you confirm, can you in fact comfort us by saying that the United States-Israel relationship is as strong as ever? The United States-Israel relationship is very strong. It is uh, the cooperation on the security and military levels continues very high. Iron Dome is the best tribute to that relationship. Uh, America was the only country that voted in the United Nations for uh, for Israel against the resolution uh, condemning Israel. And uh, as I said, Samantha Power made a strong statement there. You know, obviously, whenever there's a tension or a hint of a tension, and sometimes people misspeak and even public officials can can uh, say things that they would regret later. But uh, but uh, we have to, and that doesn't make news when Israel and the United States stand together. And I think if you listen to the words of the prime minister, you can have things like the FAA, which gets everybody excited. But on a day-to-day basis, there's so much good going on because they want to target America. Anybody with any brains knows that this is America's war as well. And Israel's fighting for the West in this uh, conflict. And if all the countries had stood up that way, whether it's the terrorists in Syria, terrorists in Iraq, the terrorists in Hezbollah, and all the others over the years, and you see the interconnection and the uh, correlation to Iran of all of these activities, which tells us why they cannot be allowed to have even a hint of a nuclear power, because if they share the technology on rockets, believe me, they'll share the technology on nuclear weapons as well. So I would say the U.S.-Israel relationship, the American people are with Israel in very strong numbers, as good as we've had, and they get it, despite the distorted media coverage, despite the misrepresentations. Malcolm, I thank you. Uh, The rally is Monday. We encourage everybody to be there. Next Friday we will speak two weeks from today. This is the only two reasons we wouldn't have a weekly update. If we're broadcasting from Stay Road, which we're doing two weeks from now, or if you're at a high-level meeting in Washington. Otherwise, we will speak on Fridays. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We pray for the peace uh, for the people of Israel. And, of course, uh, we, we our thoughts with all the families who are suffering, as too many families are sitting shiva this week in the Holy Land. Malcolm, thank you so much. Friday morning broadcast, JM and the AM on this era of Shabbos. Parshas Masse as we get set to close out the book of Bamidbar on this uh, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Yudin's going to be joining me from... Uh, there we go. Rabbi Yudin's going to be joining me from the Holy Land in just a moment, which will make his uh, presentation certainly even more special, as you can imagine. He'll be joining us coming up. Uh, the rally is at the 47th Street and 2nd Avenue this coming Monday. If you are uh, in the New York area, please do what you can to spend a minute or two or a half hour or an hour having your voice heard and making your voice heard on 47th Street and 2nd Avenue next to the United Nations this coming uh, Monday. Starts at 12.30 p.m. We encourage everybody to be part of it. Demonstrations are very important. A lot of people have been asking about larger demonstrations during this summer. We finally have an opportunity at a historic place at Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza in New York City. So 47th Street and 2nd Avenue, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we heard that uh, both Camp Morasha and the Camp Moshava, both in Pennsylvania, are sending large representations to be there. I hope that your camp, that your... Uh, that your organization, that your group will send representatives as well. 
uh, get into Manhattan for a little while and be part of Monday's demonstration. Uh, as I mentioned, Rabbi Yudin is in Israel, which makes this week's presentation even more special. Uh, and uh, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. For you, it's good morning. For me, it's good afternoon. I have the privilege of talking to you this afternoon from Yerushalayim, Yerach Kodesh. There's so much that I'd like to share with you. Let me begin by telling you, tomorrow I have the privilege of reading Parshas Mas'eh. It's Shabbos Chazak. It's Shabbos Mavorchim. According to the Chinuch, there are six mitzvot in Parshas Mas'eh, two positive and four restrictions. Let me just start by reminding everybody that this Monday is Rosh Chodesh, and that means that the nine days begins this Monday. If you have the time, you'll take a look at the last Amud in the Gemara of Abbasra, Cheskat Habatim. And there, the Gemara tells us that at the time of the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, there were those that said, well, from now on, we shouldn't eat meat all the time, because that's when they had, you know, korbanos came from meat. And uh, if that's the case, we shouldn't have fruit, because fruit was brought for the Bikurim have bread. So the Gemara says very clearly, to make a law that we should not have these foods all year long, that we cannot do. But not to do anything, we also cannot do. So therefore, they took upon themselves, and understandably, we have been living with these laws for almost 2,000 years now. And depending on the community, with the slight modifications, A, we don't eat meat in the Ashkenazi community for these next nine days, starting with Monday, and except for Shabbos, except for a Sudas Mitzvah. So if at a bris, at a Tigiraben, at a Siyum, Siyum is when a completion of the Gemara or a state of Mishnayis, is done, but I think the mindset is very important. If a person is learning regularly and his learning is completed during the nine days, wonderful. But to delay completion, but to hurry the completion of something for the sake of having meat during the nine days, intuitively, um, you, you and I can appreciate that there's quote unquote got to be a better way. So this is one aspect, and interestingly, just to show that whereas normally young children are not obligated in the laws of Avelos, here, if you can get away with it as well, even the young children should, certainly from the age of understanding, from six and seven and up, they should preferably not be given meat or chicken during the nine days. The second area of observance during these nine days is that uh, we don't purchase new clothing, don't wear new clothing, uh, we don't wash clothing during these nine days. Again, if one needed it for young children, that's a different story. And even there are many that will this Sunday take the 
few moments and uh, just put on some freshly laundered uh, clothes prior to Monday's nine days. And these clothes you'll wear, you know, during the nine days, um, except for that which you're going to wear on the Shabbos, Shabbos Chazon, a week from the Shabbos that you can wear, you know, uh, clothes that have been already laundered before the nine days. And finally, the third area of restriction during this time is that of bathing. And number one, let's start with swimming is prohibited during the nine days. And uh, if one can, one can at least uh, curtail or limit. Very simply, a shower usually takes X amount. Try to make it a little bit less. Try to make it a little bit cooler. Try to empathize with a where we are, what we are, what's happening. And uh, for Arab Shabbos, one can be a bit more uh, lenient, given that this is our more general custom and practice. I'd like to start with talking about Pasha's Masay. And Pasha's Masay begins with the 42 encampments, or stops, that the Jewish people made during their 40-year trek in the desert. Now, Rashi is troubled. Why do we need to know this, given this that an extra word in the Torah? So Rashi says, take a look. In the course of 40 years, they only had 42 stops. Look how good Hashem was to us. The Rambam in Moron says, you should know that these 42, quote, encampments were not at an oasis, and therefore each one is another wow, wow, he sustained us only with his mun and with the air and the Ananit Kavod. I'd like to share with you an interesting comment of the Sapurno at the very beginning of the Parsha, who says that why does the Torah list the 42 stops the Masay, Lodia Zuchusam, to let the Jewish people know their merits, Belechtam Achorav Babidbar, as the Navi Yemiyahu says, that we were prepared to follow God into a desert, even though there was nothing to eat or drink. It shows our emuna and bitachon in Him. And then he adds the following words to Ofan, Shoyuruuyin Rikonais Laoretz, in a manner that these masos, these travelings, these stops, make us worthy to enter the land. But what's the connection between the two? So you could say, as we mentioned earlier, the faith that it demonstrates. But I'd like to suggest, if you go back in the book of Bamidbar to Parshas Baha'u'llah, so there in chapter 9, the Torah describes how they traveled in accordance with the Anan, the cloud which was in front of them and which was above the sanctuary, the Mishkan, that when the cloud ascended, that is when they traveled, and when the cloud descended, that's when they stopped and encamped. And the Torah goes out of its way and gives us several psukim by telling us, starting with verse uh, 19 and 20, 21, that there are those times when the cloud remained for many days, and 
there were those times when it was only there literally from the evening till the morning. So just picture this. You came to a place. You didn't know how long you'd be there. And so naturally you unpack. Everybody unpacks. By the time you get everything out of your quote suitcase, okay, there we are. Time to move again. And then when you come to a place that you think you're only going to stay for a short time, you're there for six years. So the idea that comes out of the Masos is that your existence is, quote, totally unpredictable, or say it differently, that you are completely and totally dependent on the Anan, on the cloud. This kind of preparation of whipping the Jewish people into shape during the course of the 40 years, I suspect, is what the Saperno includes by saying this made them now worthy to enter Eretz Yisrael because just as in the desert, they were absolutely aware and convinced that they were not in charge. He, capital H, was the one that is in charge. So too, when they come into the land of Israel, where they can very well think, oh, this is my land, and therefore I am in charge, comes along their preparation in the Midbar and reminds us, oh no, he is in charge. And I can only tell you, interestingly, I remember hearing in the name of Rasalavichek, Zachronim of Rachat, at the beginning of Parshas Vayera, where the Torah tells us, who Yoshev, Pesach Oel, Kachom Ayom, Abram was sitting at the opening of his tent. Rashi says, Bikesh Lamod. He wanted to stand. Hashem says to him, No, no, you sit. Now, what's going on? There are many different interpretations. The Rav explained that when you go to someone's house, so when they hear you at the door, what do they do? They get up to greet you. Here, too, Avram Avinu got up to greet the Shrina. Says Hashem to Avram Avinu, No, you sit. Because even in your house, you should know that I am the boss. I'm the Balabayas. We're about to enter Eretz Yisrael. So even in Eretz Yisrael, we are being reminded that he, capital H, is the Balabayas. Just as in the Midbar, the Anand reminded them as to how unpredictable life is and was, so too what has been happening in Israel is the siren. When it goes off, it reminds all of us how unpredictable life is. And just as in the Midbar, so too even here, and exactly, this is his land, he is the Baal Habayas. And I cannot begin to tell you that just as Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod, it means not only that God is one, but that He is unique. Being here this past week, it's incredible. I'll just share a few examples with you. Number one, unfortunately, this past week, there were two outstanding funerals. Now, what am I speaking about? Unfortunately, among those who died in Aza were two Chayalei Bodet, two soldiers who do not have family in this country. One came from Texas. His name was Sh- 
Sean Connelly. The other one came from L.A., Max Steinberg. Now listen carefully. The first one was laid to rest in Haifa. The word got out that this young man did not have family here. 20,000, that's correct, 20,000 people came to his Levaya in Haifa. And Max Steinberg, who, who came two years ago on birthright, who fell in love with the land, whose parents and he were not yet observant. And they came first time to be at his funeral. 30,000 people came to Har Herzl in Yerushalayim to be at this young man's funeral with the family, showing the family that came from Los Angeles that you do have family here in the States, in Israel rather, 30,000 strong. Umi, who is Ka'amcha Yisrael, who is like the Jewish people, Goy Echad Ba'aretz. It doesn't mean only one, it means as well, look how unique we are. Now, I can only tell you, you've all heard of the Iron Dome. Now, there's no question that they come to destroy us, and I want you to take a look. You'll honor me by bringing a Tehillim to your table tonight. And you'll turn to Tehillim Samach Gimel 63. And you'll look at Pasuk Yud 10, 63 verse 10. Now, to me, this is so incredible. Why? Because it shows that Tehillim has not gathered any dust. And Dovra Melech, who wrote this with Ruach HaKodesh, literally 3,000 years ago, it's as relevant today and it speaks to us today as it was to him. And what does he say? They want to destroy us. Literally, they want to do to us nothing less than to exterminate us. As we say in Tilim 83. And look how the verse continues. Literally, they come to and from the depths of the earth. That is what we are fighting against today. We're fighting against cleaning out the Mi'arot, these tunnels which extend literally from Gaza into Eretz Yisrael, and they come out into Kibbutzim, into different Moshavim in Eretz Yisrael. They come out of the earth literally wearing Israeli uniforms, and so on.
We apologize that Rabbi Yudin's words were uh, cut off there uh, in the middle, but now we continue from Israel with his uh, words about uh, Parshas Masse. Here is Rabbi Benjamin Yudin. Okay, so we're continuing. Could you imagine, unfortunately, these tunnels that they have dug, as David says in Tillam 63, they come out of the tunnels wearing Israeli uniforms, unless we catch them on film by the cameras, unless we catch them, you could only imagine the damage that they can do within these Moshavim. Now, I have to tell you, last Friday, the Prime Minister of Turkey said, can't be that at last week the count was, we said, over 1,400 rockets. Now it's closer to 2,000. Now listen carefully. He said it can't be that 1,400 rockets came into Israel from Gaza and only one person was killed. Now that is the fact. Now you have to understand, we see such incredible miracle. I can only tell you, I was down, well, yesterday, on Thursday. I was three kilometers from the border of Aza. I went to visit, together with three other rabbis, I went to visit four different uh, um, army camps to distribute food to the Chayalim and to give them some encouragement. Now, I cannot tell you the amazing determination and spirit that these young soldiers have most of them being literally 19, 
20 and a little bit older years old, how they are so uh, committed to this cause. And I was in a community called Navet, which is literally on the Egyptian border. And I can tell you that there are 100 from families living on this Moshav, 30 of which don't even have a Meklat, which means a safe room to where they can run, where the missiles come to their community. The cost of these Meklats is $30,000 each. So just know that each person, in accordance with their ability, I'll help this way, I'll help that way, etc. But I can only tell you that what's going on in Israel, for those that are technologically advanced, you'll know just what I'm talking about. There is this special app on the phone to tell people when missiles are coming. Not only if it's coming into your direction, but it tells you, if you are up in the north, that a missile is coming down in the south, and this great significance of this is so that you can be mispalel. Call Yisrael a raven zelozer. You're up north, and you get on your phone that a missile is coming down into the south. You know exactly what to do at that point. It's a peric of Tehillim. It stops. It puts us and makes us literally one people. I can only tell you, in last week's parsha of Matos, so where the Torah tells us in chapter 31, plus 49, they reported when they came back from the war against Midian, they did not lose a single soldier. Says Rabbeinu Bahaya that this is Minhanisim Hagidolim. This is one of the great miracles. It's a Pele Otsum. It's an incredible wonder. And what's his reason? Because they had many merits. I can only tell you keep sending packages. What does that mean? I'm not talking about only chocolates, and that's important for the Chayalim, but I'm saying as follows your Chasodim, that you are doing. Wherever you're listening to this, your chassadim one for another, and the additional chassadim that you are doing, your tfilos that you are doing, your extra Torah that you are learning, this is enabling literally us here in Israel to experience as we are on a daily basis open miracles. It's the only word I can use. If my mother, Olea Hashom, was listening, she'd tell me to shah, as if to say, we don't want to, ayin hara. It's not to be believed how in community, it's a community, and I listen to the news all the time, and they say the rockets are falling here, and rockets are falling there, and they fall between the houses. It doesn't even, it's not to be believed. We are living in such special times. Um, two days ago, I went to intensive care at Adassah in Karim Hospital to visit one of the Chayolim. Keep in mind, in your Shmona Esrei, in Rifa Enu, keep in mind, Ira, Ayin Reish Aleph, Ben Meirav, he and all the other Chayolim that have been wounded, 
should have pleased God in Rafuashlema. I can only tell you this is Shabbat Chazak. Well we finish reading the Torah. We say Chazak Chazak Chazek. You cannot imagine the incredible sense of Achtos and Chizuk which is present in the land at this time, how literally, how with, regardless of whatever stripe and whatever kind of religious or not yet religious background you are, there's such an incredible sense of unity and oneness in the land. And we pray that this is going to continue in a positive way as soon as this action against Gaza ends, bringing us, please God, to the time when in Yitzhah Hashem, the nine days, and Tisha B'Av, will, please God, be transformed into holidays. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Asharei, Malachi Elyon, Mimelech, Malachi Hamelachim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Shalom Aleichem. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin for his inspiring words from the Holy Land on this Erev Shabbos. At JM the AM. Candle lighting at 7.58. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be on Monday. The nine days will begin on Monday. And, of course, we'll continue with our programming Monday morning. And I remind you that Matis has a great show every Sunday. He'll still be in a three-weeks format this Sunday. And not only will he be featuring news from Israel in English, which is such an important service and people love it, but this coming Sunday, Matis Weingast speaks with Phil Carmel, Special Advisor for European Policy of the Euro- European Jewish Congress. They'll discuss the situation in Europe. You may recall he joined Matis right after the museum killings a few months back in uh, Europe. He'll be on 8.30 Eastern Time this coming Sunday morning. Phil Carmel, European Jewish Congress with Matis Weingast on JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. Use the NSN app or go to jmandtheam.org. Simple as that. And you can uh, listen in on Sunday morning. Uh, as I said, our nine days format will begin on Monday. The rally is Monday on Second uh, Avenue and 47th Street in New York City. I hope everybody will be there. Rabbis, community leaders, please announce the rally, the demonstration this Shabbos. 47th Street, 2nd Avenue, New York City, 1230 this coming Monday. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say it's
special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light. Singing songs of Shabbos, well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. That'll wrap things up. Naomi Nachman is next with an encore presentation of Table for Two, followed by an incredible Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time with a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. Make sure to be tuned in all day long on the NSN app or at jmandtheam.org. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Let's pray for the peace and uh, prosperity of our brothers and sisters in the state of Israel and specifically those serving in the Israel Defense Forces. Until next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.